Establishing a value for professional services can be difficult. IP Drafts remembers a former boss, a finance director of a high-tech company, who successfully negotiated and sold the company's site near Heathrow Airport to a leading supermarket chain for many millions of pounds. He thought this service was more valuable to the company than the work of the scientists and managers whose activities he supported. But did his efforts amount to anything more than those expected of someone on a senior executive salary? IP Drafts has no idea. Similarly, with legal services, how do you measure value? In a minority of cases, you can see a direct financial return from the service, e.g. if you win a large amount of money in a court case. But has the lawyer done anything more than go through the motions to help you win this money based on the strength of your case? It may be very difficult to tell. In the case of transactional lawyers, it may be even more difficult to tell. Through their hard work, talent and care, they may have reduced your risk on a deal, perhaps to a greater extent than if you had instructed someone else or they may have helped to shape and draft the agreement in a way that facilitated a business relationship and increased the likelihood of profit. But how do you prove this, and how do you value a possibility? And how do you compare the value of lawyers who charge different amounts? Do you ascribe a significant part of the value to your lawyer working for a well-known city firm? IP Drafts believes that many clients and large companies do, otherwise they wouldn't pay the fees that those city firms charge. Whether you regard this positively, my board would expect me to instruct a major firm that has the necessary resources for this matter, or cynically, if I use a small firm, they may be cheaper but I am more likely to be blamed if it all goes wrong, the outcome is sometimes the same. This is particularly evident in IP practice, where there are layers of firms of different sizes, all offering expert services but at different prices. The differences in price seem to IP drafts to be mostly concerned with the brand and size of the firm. These thoughts are partly prompted by IP Drafts uncovering some old work mementos. He recently found a set of fee notes in a standard form, for criminal legal aid matters, from his time as a pupil barrister in 1984. The form asked him to give details, including how many pages were in the brief, and how much waiting, hearing and conference time he spent. One case involved reading 12 pages, and representing a young man in the juvenile magistrate's court at a sentencing hearing. His client had been convicted of taking a conveyance, presumably a car, having no insurance, and driving while disqualified. Through his clerk, IP Drafts claimed £10 for a 20-minute conference, in the court or outside the court, and £55 for the brief fee, the hearing lasted 25 minutes. The matter was assessed at £2.50 for the conference, and £40 for the brief fee. Probably some of this was deducted for Chambers expenses. This matter probably involved IP drafts in at least half a day of preparation, travel, and attendance at the court. Was £42.50 good value for money? Three years later, after working in-house with the aforesaid finance director, IP drafts joined a firm of solicitors. Also among his work mementos is a letter from the city law firm, Lovell, White & King, now Hogan Lovells, dated August 5, 1987, offering him a job as an assistant solicitor at a salary of £25,000 per annum. The equivalent half-day rate, after allowing for seven weeks of paid holidays, training, sickness etc., and with no chamber's fee, is around £55. Was this good value for money? Presumably the firm intended to make many times that rate from employing IP draft services. Ultimately, the price is what is the buyer prepared to pay. Successive UK governments have, in real terms, reduced the amount they are prepared to pay for criminal legal aid, to the point where there are very few lawyers still prepared to do the work. In the case of private commercial work, clients continue to be willing to pay large fees to city law firms, and they in turn are willing to pay their junior staff large salaries. As a result, the salaries for city lawyers have risen to dizzying heights. 
but there isn't necessarily any difference in the value of the person doing the work, whether in seminal legal aid or high-value commercial transactions.